All right. Well, this is going to be the first in a series of five podcasts that deals with uh, Chapter 3 in the Star Labs. Section 1 is called The Tools of Modern Astronomy, and it deals with the different tools that astronomers use to make observations. I'm sure you're all familiar with telescopes. Uh, you may have used one in your backyard. You got the chance to make one in class for lab number one. That type of telescope is called a refracting telescope. It uses a series of lenses to gather and focus light. And that's the key for a telescope. It has to gather light. So if you think about what makes a good telescope, you have to consider how big the lens is. The larger the lens in the front of the telescope, and that's called the aperture, so the larger the aperture, the more light it's able to gather. Think about like a rain bucket, okay? If you've got a, two different buckets and you put them out in the rain and one of them has a large opening and the other has a small opening, which one do you think is going to collect more rain? It's pretty simple when you think of it that way. There are other types of telescopes that uh, you may not be quite as familiar with. A reflecting telescope uses a curved mirror to gather light rather than using lenses. Both refracting and reflecting telescopes are used to gather and focus visible light. But if astronomers only relied on visible light, they would only be getting a small piece of the story. If you take a look at figure 1 on page 95, you can see that visi the visible light portion of the electromagnetic spectrum is just a small piece of the puzzle. There are other telescopes that are designed to look at the other parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. You've all seen radio telescopes like the one we saw in the movie Contact. But there are many types of telescopes that are actually out in space like the, the Chandra X-ray telescope or the Hubble telescope. One of the advantages of having a telescope in space rather than on the surface of the Earth is that the light it gathers doesn't have to travel through the Earth's atmosphere. When electromagnetic radiation passes through the atmosphere, it gets distorted. Some wavelengths of electromagnetic radiation are actually blocked by the atmosphere. Electromagnetic radiation with really short wavelengths, like X-rays and gamma rays, do not make it to Earth's surface because they're blocked by the atmosphere. And this is actually a good thing, because X-rays and gamma rays can be harmful to living things like us. Now I keep saying electromagnetic radiation, and some people might think that electromagnetic radiation is all bad, but it's not really. We use radio waves all the time. They're used to broadcast music that you listen to on the radio, and when you use a wireless computer you, and to connect to the internet, you're using radio waves. The remote control for your television uses infrared waves to change your channel. Light with wavelengths shorter than visible light can be dangerous though. Ultraviolet rays, or UV rays, are electromagnetic rays that do penetrate Earth's atmosphere, and too much exposure to them can be harmful. X-rays are much more dangerous, and gamma rays are the most dangerous. Overexposure to these short wavelength lights can do some damage, so it's important that we take precautions when we're around them. Another tool that astronomers use to make observations with is called a spectrograph. And a spectrograph is really just a camera that takes a picture of, of a spectrum. When astronomers look at the spectrum of a star, they're able to determine what the chemical composition of that star is based on the position of the dark lines in the spectrum. They're also able to get an idea of the star's temperature using this spectrum as well. Stars are composed of mostly hydrogen. 
and hydrogen will give off very strong spectral lines if it's around a certain temperature. So if an astronomer sees that strong spectral line, they know that the star is around that certain temperature. And you can earn one bonus point on lab number four if you tell me what that temperature is. Uh, do me a favor, on these bonuses and these podcasts, don't share any of this information with your classmates. There's no reason why you should do all the hard work and they should get the credit. Well, that pretty much covers Section 1. So let's take a look at the Enrich Worksheet for Section 1. It looks pretty straightforward. I haven't had too many questions on this one, but number 3 looks like it might give some of you some trouble because there are more than five words in the question, and I know how much you love to read, so... Uh, the key to answering that question is to read it, but I can help you out a little too. Uh, the real key is to think about several things. One, you have three different types of radiation to choose from. Two, the radiation needs to be gathered cheaply. Three, you're looking at a very large portion of the sky. And four, you need to be able to make observations 24 hours a day. So think about it. Is it cheaper to observe from ground-based telescopes or from satellites? Now, when you're looking at a large portion of the sky, do you need to have a high-resolution image? And lastly, if you have to make observations 24 hours a day, can you detect each of the different types of radiation during the day as well as at night? Well, okay, that's, um, that's an overview of Section 1. If you have any questions about any of these sections or the labs, please make sure you, uh, you ask questions because when you ask the questions and I answer in front of other people, they benefit from it as well. So don't be shy. All right. Uh, the next podcast will be on Chapter 3, Section 2. So I hope you tune into that as well.